0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us.
1: This was something that had been initially submitted to us by a customer, and then we were able to discover that submission that had come through was actually something new
0: that's alan neville he's a principal threat intelligence analyst at Symantec. the research we're discussing today is titled antlion chinese apt uses custom backdoor to target financial institutions in taiwan Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com.
1: And as we dug further into it, investigating, we were able to kind of tie lines back to um, a group that we've already been tracking since at least 2015, which are known internally as Antlion.
0: Well, before we dig into the details of this particular case, what can you tell us about Antlion?
1: Well, Antlion are a group that, as I mentioned before, we first began tracking way back in 2015, and that was in the wake of Operation Tropic Trooper. And that was a campaign that was predominantly targeting Taiwan and the Philippines at the time. And during that time, we were able to assess that the group had been active since probably at least early 2011. The group, since then, have continued their attacks. They've evolved some of their tools, some of their tactics to gain footholds into different organizations, move across their networks, and ultimately steal information for the purposes of espionage, all while being able to remain under the radar. I suppose since 2011, Antlion have been observed targeting like activists that we've seen, um, and organizations in Taiwan, Hong Kong, India, Vietnam, and even up to like the Philippines as well, just to name some of them. Um, and that's across industries such as like government, healthcare, media, military that we've seen in the past. And I suppose more recently, we've observed Antline shift their focus away from some of those sectors and began targeting financial organizations in Taiwan, being able to remain effectively active undiscovered for almost a year in some cases, sifting through those networks and stealing data.
0: Well, let's go through this particular case. I mean, in the research that you posted,
1: you have a a case study here. Can we walk through that together? So the case study that we actually had was essentially uh, one of the organizations that we had seen, one of the financial organizations that we've been seeing here in Taiwan. Essentially, during that investigation, we identified a, a new loader and a backdoor component, which we've dubbed XPAC, which was on some of the compromised systems within that organization. Essentially, when we start analyzing the malware, we've seen that it was written in .NET and is essentially used to read the contents of a bin file or a file that has a .bin extension. And that essentially is used to decrypt and then load malware as a service that's stored in that that .bin file. And it seems XPAC and its associated payloads were mainly used as part of initial access, predominantly used to execute system commands, drop subsequent malware and tools, and stage some data for exfiltration at later stages as well. And this effectively allowed the attackers um, extensive access to the victims' machines, whereby they were able to perform arbitrary code execution via WMI commands, upload or download files, install whatever additional tools that they needed to assist them in moving across a network and locate systems and files of interest, essentially. Some of the commands that we've kind of documented within the blog are kind of indicators of how they perform this lateral movement and this kind of data exfiltration as well. And we had seen them even deploying other uh, malware tools like keyloggers onto these compromised machines. They had used other tools that we had come across as well called JPEG run, check ID, both of which are loaders and appears to be uh, custom ones that are written in C++. Um, even to the point where they borrowed some of the code from some known Chinese uh, remote access tools known as Black Hole.
0: Now, one of the things that's remarkable here, as you point out in the research, is how long they were able to stay in systems. How were they able to go so long and stay
1: undetected? Through the use of um, custom tools and essentially by being able to encrypt their payloads, which was difficult to detect as well, coupled with the use of some of the living off the land tools. So these are like tools that could be used legitimately by system administrators, which are then again kind of hide legit or kind of hide malicious activity that are being performed by the attackers. And they're able to use these tools to essentially move through the network, install some of their additional custom malware, and then be able to even identify systems of interest sit on them for long periods of time to monitor the activity in those machines, um, identify files that they, that might be of interest to the group, and then essentially start moving to exfiltrate that data.
0: And in this particular case, what was the thing that tipped their hand? I mean, what, what was it that uh, you know had this client reach out to all of you?
1: So as part of the normal day-to-day work, we look for and hunt for these type. of this type of activity and what we've actually done in our team mm. is help to build analytics which can identify suspicious activity based on all the other activity that we've seen across our customer base and this is essentially generates incidents which then we can then drill into and in this case we had seen a suspicious incident in this customer along with some submissions from that customer as well and as we analyze this and built out the investigation we start realizing very quickly that this was something much bigger than just some um, cybercrime malware that was being present on these machines.
0: Can you highlight that? I mean, I think this really points out the utility of of active threat hunting. You know, rather than just uh, you know having detectors running, this seems like a case where that that strategy really paid off.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like some of the things that we'd always recommend, particularly for any organizations for this type of activity, is enable logging, like of Parashell. Obviously, that's used everywhere restricting RDP access, things like that. But those, by monitoring that, that type of activity, it can be a really good indicator for activity that's not normal uh, within an organization. And they can highlight some particularly interesting either machines or things that are happening that investigators can dig into for this type of threat-hunting activity.
0: Do you have any sense for what the initial infection vector might have been?
1: Um, so there was no, I suppose, smoking gun However, we did observe Antline um, abusing an MS SQL service to execute system commands, specifically a search util, which again is one of those living off the land tools. The command they actually executed was to download their malware, which indicates that the most likely infection vector was exploitation of some web application or some service. Traditionally, Antline are known to use malicious emails to install their backdoors to gain that initial access to victims' networks. And I'd probably expect they continue to use this method as well as a means to gain access to, to other organizations.
0: what does it seem like Antlion are after here? Is this primarily an espionage
1: operation? Yeah, so it looks like from all the activity that we were able to track since 2015 right up until recently, it's clear that the, the group are performing espionage-type activities. We were able to see that the identified systems or files of interest that the attackers focused on were generated to exfiltrate some of these files. So for example, we observed them deploying legitimate versions of archiving tools to these systems, essentially to collect files. And even in one instance, we saw them archiving entire version control repositories, uh, which likely contained like intellectual property, other sensitive information for that organization. They would then password protect these archives and then used combinations of PowerShell and bit transfer modules to upload the data to attacker-controlled infrastructure. Even in addition to that, we had also seen the attackers interact with legitimate software via their backdoor, which may suggest they were interested in collecting additional information. So like examples of some of the software we did see them interact with was used for business contact information, software relating to bidding for contracts, money transfers and investments. Software used to read smart cards and all of this type of software can be used by the attackers to find additional targets of interest, build a picture of the type of work and the contracts the companies are currently undertaking or what they're planning to work on in the future and with whom, the current financial state of organizations and even possibly provide information on company employees as well. I'm
0: curious, you know, when, when you and, and your team find an organization like this inside of a client's systems and, and and it becomes clear to you that they've been in there for a while, to what degree do you uh, go about kicking them out as quickly as possible? And to what degree do you take advantage of the opportunity to kind of watch what they're doing for a little while?
1: Yeah, so obviously our mandate is protection first. We want to ensure that all our customers are protected. We ensure that um, detection is added across our entire technology stack from file detection, network detection, et cetera. And we want to be able to train some of our analytics to to identify some of these tools, tactics, and procedures that the, the group are using so we can track some of that activity as well in the future. Part of our standard process would always be outreach to the customer. We'd engage with them. We'd inform them that we found this activity. Uh, we provide assistance for remediation or mitigation. Um, and we'd also kind of guide them through and their security teams in removing or kicking out that actor.
0: So what are your recommendations for other organizations to protect themselves against this specific
1: group? I suppose all organizations who believe that they could be a target of Antline or even kind of similar uh, groups should essentially adopt a defense in-depth strategy using multiple detection, protection, hardening technologies to mitigate risks at all points of the potential attack chain. Things like monitoring dual-use tools um, inside your network, and things like I said before, enabling logging of PowerShell, restricting RDP access, um, should all be implemented. Proper auditing of control and administrative account usage. Implement two-factor authentication should be introduced where wherever possible to help limit the usefulness of some of the compromised credentials. I'd also suggest checking out some of the indicators that are published on our blog as well. Review the protection information and work with your security teams to ensure measures have been taken to detect and block all this activity across your organization.
0: How about determining the origin of this actor? I mean, how do you determine whether or not you think it's a nation state?
1: So during our investigation, there were a few indicators. Uh, such as the targeting that was being performed, the tools that had been used, and even how the attackers operated and supported, which all, sorry, which all supported the theory that the attackers were a nation-state-backed Chinese group. So, for example, during the investigation, we were able to find some indications that the operators behind Antline spoke traditional Chinese. When the attackers became active on some of the compromised machines, they firstly changed the code page to traditional Chinese, Some of the tools like um, the archiving tools that they had deployed, which essentially they were used to collect and exfiltrate some of the files from targeted organizations were also simplified Chinese tools as well or versions of those tools. A lot of some of the malware tools are Chinese language hack tools as well, even down to some of their custom tools, which would be based on other Chinese tools that are all freely available online. And I suppose these type of indicators coupled with their targeting as well and the ability to infiltrate, remain active on multiple networks at the same time, all suggest that they're, I suppose, well-resourced, organized in some fashion, and likely a Chinese nation-state-backed actor.
0: Our thanks to Alan Neville from Symantec for joining us. The research is titled Antlion. Chinese APT uses custom backdoor to target financial institutions in Taiwan. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, SixSense. SixSense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. The Cyberwire Podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karf, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Ivan, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner.